In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest here with me, April. April, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you here. I think I was mentioning right before this call that I had listened to you when you were on Sean Callagy's panel with Unblinded, and I was just like blown away by you and your energy. And I was just like, she's that's such a beautiful spirit. I need to speak with her. <laughs> I connect with her so, so well. And here we are. And I'm just blessed to have you here. So thank, thank you. So Thanks for reaching out. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You know, when Sean asked, I'm like, of course. And then you reached out. It just, yeah, it means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. And you've got, I mean, you are just like a superstar across all realms. Four companies, four kids, an amazing story. I can't wait to get into it today with you. So with your journey, what really inspired you to where you are today? And what has inspired your journey sort of the most? And we can start from there. Ooh, what has inspired my journey the most? The first thing that came to my mind when you asked that question, and I like this, I just want us to have a conversation and see what happens. But basically the first thing that came to my mind, I feel like had to do with my values and my values were always as a little girl to love God and love others. And to be honest, that has carried me through almost everything and in almost every situation. And whether we're looking at the business successes or even relationship, you know, aspects, I really do. I feel like, you know what, I think loving God and loving others would be one of the things that has got me here. We're going to talk about more gratitude and generosity in a little bit, but as far as like, when you asked that, that was the first thing that came to me authentically. That's amazing. And I always have to ask, and I ask this to every entrepreneur, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? What inspired you to grow a little? Yeah. So funny enough, Pam, I wasn't like, when I grew up, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) I didn't even know what that word was. You know what I mean? Like I really, and I didn't, and my dad actually was a chimney sweep um, owner and he cleaned chimneys in um, Massachusetts where I grew up. And, but I didn't realize that my dad was an entrepreneur. Like it wasn't, I didn't grow up in a home that was challenging me to think outside the box. So when I grew up, I knew I really wanted to work with people. I've always been, which goes with what I just said. I loved people. So in middle school and high school, when you can like run for student council, I wanted to, not so that I could win, but it was so that I could like lead my friends and create environments where everybody could be involved. And then when I got to high school and you can run for like class president, I'm like, of course I'm going to run for class president. And it's interesting because you don't know these things about yourself until I look back. And I'm like, but why did I do that? Like, was it for the popularity? Was it for, you know, why? And it wasn't, I genuinely just loved to lead. I love to lead and I love to create and I love to do. And that's like the visionary in me. So 
I really wanted to work with people. I grew up in a Christian home, actually. So I thought that maybe I would work with like teenagers or, you know, giving back in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do? I wanted to work with people and I wanted to be the leader. But did I know that that meant be an entrepreneur? No. You know what I mean? It just kind of was like, but now it's like my obsession. I can't, like, I love it. I love business. I love the ownership of business. I love the leadership of business. I love, I love it so much. It's so funny because I too was like a class president in like middle school and high school. And it's like so funny. And I asked that question because it always somehow correlates to right. where the person is now weirdly enough and it's so so fascinating and so like your career journey to get to your first business what was that like so great question career to get me to my first business because now we just identified I wasn't going to get my master's in entrepreneurship let's just start with that (laughs) (laughs) or my even my business degree you know for me but basically I was uh, waiting tables and I was waiting tables and I was in that classic working four jobs, still wondering why I can't pay my bills. Like, do you remember that? Do you remember those times? It's like, why can I not pay my bills? I'm working four jobs. Totally the struggle was real. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But anyways, I'm waiting tables and I actually went to church at some random city and heard some random pastor on a Sunday. And he was like, how about tomorrow? When you go to work, start being thankful for everything. Mm. Thankful for your boss, thankful for your colleagues, thankful for your job, thankful for, and I'm like, I'm waiting tables, you know? And at that time I was, I was managing some, and actually my boss, it was a Krabba's and he wanted me to own a Krabba's. So he was like sending me to proprietary school and he was trying to advance my career. And I was like, I don't want to do this, but he obviously saw leadership in me. And I think that that's what he was provoking me for. But I'll tell you what, Pam, when I started practicing gratitude, even begrudgingly under my breath, when I truly started practicing gratitude, something shifted. And I would even be like, you know what? I am thankful for my boss, but did I really mean it? I didn't, but I, I practiced it anyways. And this has taught me so much. And this was back when I was 24 years old, a long time ago, but I've carried this with me and everything to where it's like you practice gratitude and you do what you don't want to do because you know where it's going to get you. And it was within a week or two, someone walked in that restaurant door and he sat down and he was a regular and he said, April, what do you want to do with your life? And my former roommate was a pharmaceutical sales rep and that looked glamorous. So I was like, I want to be a pharmaceutical sales rep. I didn't even know what I was saying, but that was what I thought I wanted to do. And he said, how about teaching doctors on a software globally? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And he's like, great. Send me your resume. Pam, I had no idea what he just said. It was a yes though. (laughs) Because it wasn't waiting tables. So, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not qualified. He wants my resume. And I work at a restaurant. I'd worked at a church. I'd worked at a daycare. I did work at a TV studio, but that was about it. You know, other than my degree. So I'm like, oh, I'm not qualified. What if I'm not smart enough? Does he see my grades? What if I have to put, I mean, you know, the spiral self-doubt, the talk, the not capable. Long story short, and this is a long story, so we can talk about it as much as you want. I ended up flying to Washington, D.C., learning um, how to train medical professionals within the Department of Defense on the electronic health record. 
And that was the electronic health record industry. That was all the way back, like I said, in 2004. So we were still on paper very much. And America didn't even go to an electronic health record until 2010 when Obama mandated it. So not too long ago, we were 10 years ago, we were still on paper. Not sure if you remember that, but just how much it evolved. And so I started learning that. And because I got that opportunity when I was completely unqualified, when I thought that I was a fraud, even being there, but yet a door, a moment, a sliding door moment happened for me. And I walked through it. I never stopped giving gratitude, never from that day forward, no matter how good or bad life was ever. And, and I wanted to pay it forward. So I decided I want to be the best electronic health record trainer in the world. Like I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be in the world. And within a year or two, I was put in back in Washington, DC to train president Bush's staff and all the VIPs in, um, in Bethesda, Maryland. And that was a true honor because I really worked very hard and I, but I really wanted to be good at what I did because I saw the opportunity that was given to me. And then fast forward, um, I ended up being a consultant, founding my firm in 2008. And then we really took off in 2010 when Obama um, mandated that every hospital in America go paperless. And of course there's a lot in between, but that I fell into it. And, but I mean, there's so much in that one story, but that's how I started my first company that, that really took off. And I still own it to this day and it still runs. It's HR Concepts and um, Electronic Health Record Concepts. And we have worked in 40 states hired thousands of people. It's been amazing. All my friends are my family. I mean, you want to talk about like how gratifying that has been for me. It's been unbelievable. That is remarkable. And you know what I really, really love about your story so much that it speaks to me so much. Like you said, yes, you could have easily shut down when he asked you, April, send me your resume. You can be like, ah, you could have allowed the fear to be like, but you said, yes. And that is one of the biggest problems that I see out there in the world. Yes. It starts with that. You're exactly right. It starts and then figure it out. So like going back to that moment and um, I was sitting in this room in when I, because I said, yes, I get the job. I don't know how I got the job. Clearly he had connections. So I was grateful, but I'm sitting in this room and I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I was sitting in the back row and I'm so thankful I was sitting in the back row. And there's four rows of people that are there to learn. Every single person in that room, we went around and did the whole introduction thing. Every single person in that room was at least 15 years my senior, military and medical. Every single one of them. They stand up, they introduce themselves. They've been serving in the military in some capacity for anywhere between 10 to 25 years. They had been in the medical field. And then there's little old me, bleach blonde hair, sitting in the back, freaking out, freaking out. And then I was married at that time to my ex-husband. He happened to be in the army. So I met this guy in Fayetteville, North Carolina, who gave me the opportunity. And I just use that as an excuse of like, my husband is serving in Fort Bragg. I'm happy to be here. And just sat down as fast as possible. But the entire time I was there for three weeks training and every day, Pam, I was unqualified. Every day I felt like a complete idiot. Every day I cried. Every day I was like, when are they going to realize that I'm a fake? You know what I mean? That imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But I made a decision. And again, this was critical in my life by flipping that script, like what you're calling. Yes. I made a decision to tell myself I am capable. I am qualified. I am smart. I can do this. 
And I began studying and I began learning and I began studying and I began learning and I began studying, I began learning. And guess what? I started to learn and, and learn. And then I found mentors. And then that's why being the best was so important to me because I knew how unqualified I was. But I feel like that also taught me that if I simply say yes, then apply myself. I really haven't been afraid of much. That's why I start more companies. That's why I continue to grow. Like, okay, I'm capable. I'm smart enough. But I didn't always believe that at all. I had to choose. And I'm like, what do you mean, Lunalisa? So I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I had breakthrough, it was when, wham, I would shut it down and believe something different. Wow. That's incredible. And I mean, you know, with imposter syndrome, because I know so many people who go through it and then there's people who go through it quietly and will never t- tell anybody, you know, right. what helped motivate you to get past that hump to be like, you know, I am good enough. I am qualified because I mean, this is like you know, senior level stuff here in Washington, DC. You went from waiting, waiting tables to literally training the president's staff, which I think is so badass and amazing. Like that's the coolest thing <laughs> But like, you know, what helped you really get there and be like, no, you know what? I am good enough. You know, was mm-hmm. there a mantra or a person that inspired you or a situation? So I really believe in the power of I am. I believe that it's so easy for me to say to you, Pam, like, you're so pretty. You're so smart. You're so successful. You know, you're so funny. You're so like easy to listen to. That's that to say you are. But if I were to say, hey, Pam, can you say that about yourself? Or you say, I am so pretty. I am so funny. I am so intelligent. I am so, you know, and we look at it, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's either this like sense of pride, like, well, I don't want to be prideful or it's a sense of like, no, it's not. And, and I really believe that if we can begin to like manifest more I am's in our lives, we begin to allow ourselves to be kind of like who God created us to be. If you want to say that, like whatever people believe in as far as the universe or God, it's like, if we're here on earth, then what are we made for? But so I do believe that there is an I am mantra, but in all sincerity, I really, for me, it was caring about my job and others. And that goes back to like my core values. Like that's obviously one of my very core values are other people. So if I'm going to work inside healthcare organization, I don't care if it's the president's staff or if it's some hospital in Okinawa that I'm at. I just really want to help them do their job better. And I want to teach them really well. And I want to care that I'm adding value to their life. And um, I think that that, I just feel like that is what has helped me is I don't want it to be about me ever. Even like when, like I've been asked to be like on podcasts and speak and I finally have a book coming out, but I'm like, I don't want it to be about me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, I'm like, I don't want it to be, but I'm realizing, oh my gosh, April, tell your story, begin to put yourself out there, which this is one of the first year I'm finally saying yes, because I really want to genuinely give in that place. And you know, I think you saw that breakthrough on Sean's Unblinded where Sean was like, you holding back is not giving to others but I don't want to make it about me. So I've always given from a place, if I'm going to do a job, I really want to serve you in it and do it well for you. And I think that that has served me in business. That's amazing. Yeah, the law of reciprocity, right? You just, just be a giver. This is something that like my family taught me innately. Like, you know, my dad has a restaurant, had a restaurant. He's old school European, right? If he sees somebody outside, anybody could be anybody mm. in, in the heat, especially in the spring and summer, he will run out to them and give them a water bottle. And the person's like, sometimes they know him, sometimes they don't, but he's just like, take it, take it. I, you know, it's hot out here. It's hot, you know? And like, 
the craziest things. So I grew up watching that. So I've always been weirdly trained to just do that and just give and give and give and give. And it's like, there's so much beauty in that. Like you were, yeah. like you were mentioning. People Why do you them. think that that's not innate for others? Like, I love that you were taught that, but what do you think? I think it's because like the U.S. society a little bit is a bit individualistic, right? right. Like I'm looking out for my own self, right? But then there's other cultures that are very family oriented and they're, you know, they're more like heart centered and they're more of about like the world and giving. And, you know, and my family was just always like, give, 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 give. Like my great grandmother, there were thousands of people at her funeral in Albania when she passed because she would invite anyone and everyone up for coffee and lunch or dinner or whatever. The, the door was always open. And like, so to me, it's like, I learned that at a young age, because that's what I was observing in my environment and you know and then when I started growing up and started seeing like that's not like a normal thing that was really hard for me but like I still couldn't like not give I'm like oh this is part of like who I am and then now all these years later I'm learning I'm like wow this is actually a law of the universe like I didn't know it didn't know it existed right yeah yeah and I think like to add on to that whoever is listening you know it's this it's not that if you do this then that so for example if people are listening and they're not the hospitable ones they're like it really stresses me out to have everybody over in my house. Like to me, I'm like, I love it. Like, come on. I'm the one that my door is open and like, just keep the door coming. But of those entrepreneurs or the people that aren't that way, it doesn't mean it has to be in that environment. It just has to be an element of not looking so much inwardly. And sometimes I think we get caught up with looking inwardly versus looking outwardly. And if we can just take our eyes off of ourselves. We will be able to see where there is, you know, places for us to insert our gifts and talents, you know, and not just being like, well, I'm not that personality of hospitality, but it's like, but guess what? You probably are in, you know, analyzing data or numbers or being able to add value in those meaningful conversations without a hundred people around. It's finding time to have that one-on-one. So really understanding who, what our gifts are and then giving of those in who we are as humans, you know, and as people. But I believe there's two things that make the world go round. My belief core and core through and through, gratitude and generosity. I really do. My book is just on those two things, how gratitude and generosity made me millions. And it's like, if we just simply understood that principle, every time, Pam, I was thankful, even in the hardest of times, you can get through anything and you heal, you breathe, you see, you know, in all of those things. And then also when, you just give, you know, just a little bit. It just comes back. And and those generous people then come around you too. You know, like that's, I always say birds of a feather. If you do not have, if whoever's listening and for you, it's like, who, if you do not have those birds of a feather that constantly give to you through gratitude and, you know what I mean? And generosity and blessing and then open more doors for you. You're in the wrong crowd. Find it, find that, find that flock because it matters. And we can fly higher together. Yeah. Amen to that. And I mean, it's like give, and also too, what's really important is energy, right? You know, I've had people, how do you surround yourself with such like winners and awesome people? And I'm like, I don't expect it. You just got to give. I don't expect it. You just give, you just do your thing. You are grateful. Like you said, you're generous. You give love wherever you can. Like, and it turns around and like you said, it made you millions. Like, then that's the reason why you're successful because you come from a really genuine place and your energy, you can sense it. You can feel somebody's energy right away, whether they're 
a good person or not. I don't know. I'm pretty intuitive. Funny enough, I love everybody. Like I just love people as I know, whatever. But the takers, they love me. They love me. So I attract takers and I haven't really been protected and I'm newly married and he is my protector. And he's like you, he's very intuitive and he has like these radars out and he's like, beep, 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 beep. Yes, taker alert, taker alert. And I'm like, no, I love him. (laughs) And so it's also like, speaking of like who you surround yourself with, it's being able to like, if someone like myself who's such a generous giver, it's putting those people in place to protect us. Not to say no to the takers, but just to simply protect us. Are you familiar with Adam Grant? He wrote the book, Givers and Takers, and his TED Talk. Yep. So Adam's a good friend of mine. And and Adam basically was like, you need to make your husband be your transaction manager. And he's like, you might be the biggest giver I've ever seen. And he's like, and that's not necessarily a compliment, April, because I'm a prey for, you know, takers. And he said, have everything, his, my husband's name is Brian, have Brian be your transaction manager. Everything has to go through him. And I was like, I love that because and I, I, I still need to put it in place. But it, again, it's creating those boundaries and barriers. I feel like we're way off topic, but at the same time, someone who's listening needs to hear yeah. that there are givers and takers and to be careful, but to live in that place of authenticity of giving, but then put that protector in place because I didn't, which I'll get a little personal because again, whoever is listening, I was married in a very toxic relationship and he was all a taker and a manipulator. And unfortunately it turned into drug addiction and he was in the military. He did go to war and things, some things that happened. And so then it, you know, he got hooked on narcotics and it just spiraled. And so again, addiction is a disease and it is a sad disease. And I lived it and I faced it and I've walked that journey. And I mean, I've walked the journey of divorce and single motherhood and the darkness that comes with all of that. But at the end of the day, I wasn't protected, Pam, you know, and I tolerated a lot of bad behavior because of my giving and my generosity and my natural innate place to just love with ease, but it got taken advantage of and it got abused and figuring out how to finally say no to bad behavior was the biggest thing for me. When I finally said no more and I was like, I am brave enough to do this. Mm -hmm. And I packed up those babies and I walked out and I never looked back, but that takes so much courage. You know what I mean? As a giver to stand up for yourself because it felt like taking, you know what I mean? Like I'm taking my kids away and really I wasn't, I was giving myself so much love by doing that. So it really is such a powerful teaching and we really need to understand who we are and how we are and then how to build and have successes in our personal relationships and our professional relationships through it. You're so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, and I think that part of sharing our journey is to inspire others, right? And that's why this podcast is so powerful and why I love it so much and why I'm always learning. And for you in those moments, like, and you were able to stand up, I think it's so pivotal. So many givers out there, so many entrepreneurs, so many people trying to build their lives and to be able to set those boundaries. Cause it was the same thing for me. I was running myself to the ground 18 hour days because I couldn't say no. It was hard for me. I'm just like you. So I'm a giver. So it's like, no, no, this person, like, I want to help them. And it, and then it, it got me into holes and I'm just like, oh my yeah. God, when you just try to help people and things happen, you're like, yeah. setting those boundaries is so important for people to learn. And also, you know, through sharing our stories, like that's so critical. And then for you to stand up and say like, 
no, I'm not going to tolerate this. That's self-love. Like you said, at the moment, it's like you said, they keep thinking, but you really, truly were giving to not just you, but your kids. You know, something that has really helped me if there are givers on the call, you know, or listening right now, what something that has helped me in, in creating boundaries is really prioritizing my time and my schedule. For example, as a mother, you know, people are like, how do you have four companies? How do you have four kids? And you're newly married. Like clearly I'm dropping balls somewhere. And you know what? Maybe I am. I have an incredible team and I ask them all the time and we have real authentic conversations. And, but I also have learned how to put people in the right seats, you know? So from an org chart perspective, who's my visionary, who's my operator, who's my implementer, who's in my sales marketing, who's my finance. And then how do we function together in order to scale and execute? And then where do we fall in the personality aspects? What are our stressors? What are our growths? But that's business. We're, we're teaching business. What I was going to say is boundaries. So as a mom, I time with my children is in the morning, getting them ready for school from 6.30 until 7.30 when I drop them off. And then typically in the evening, starting at 5.30 until eight when they go to bed. And so just yesterday, someone's like, hey, can we connect at like 7 p.m. tomorrow? No, it's so easy for me to naturally just say, no, I'm not gonna compromise that time. Does that make sense? So when you have those uncompromising times, like you're saying you're working 18 hour days, that tells me, I get it because I used to do that, that you are a free spirit that don't have those blocks of boundaries. And then being able to say no to where your priority list is and then hitting your top priority and what's going to produce for you. Because as a giver, we forsake the things that are actually going to produce and we chase squirrel, 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 you know, and it's no, no. So protecting ourselves in our boundaries, but then also focusing on what is the most important and what is going to produce for your future and for others and for your children and your children's children. And these are some things that I've had to mature into lately. You remind me a lot of me. It's hard as a giver, right? But it helps so much. And you just become that much more powerful. It's it. It's the same thing. People are like, yeah, how the hell do you do everything you do? I'm like, because I had to start setting the boundaries. I had to start prioritizing because I'm like, I don't want to run dry over here. I'm like, if my cup is not full, how am I able to give, right? Like, it's just, you know, all, all those concepts. But I love your journey so much and where you are and where you're going in the future. And, you know, with your businesses, what was it like in the beginning? What was your aha moment to shift? into your own company because you were employed first and you made that shift. I know a lot of people always, they hold off on like launching. Ah, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to start yeah. my own business. Like what made you go, aha, okay, it's time for me. Oh yeah. And I actually teach this and I, so this is a very key question for somebody who's like, okay, I have these ideas or I want to start this business. I just haven't yet. Oh yes. I teach this <laughs> big time. Because several things, there's a lot to unpack there, but let's just start small. For me, I was already in that space that I knew. That's key. I was in a space that I knew. I knew electronic health records. I knew training. I knew I had relationships with organizations. Key. Okay, key. I'm getting to why that is so key in a minute. <laughs> and my dad had his third heart attack. My mama just lost her job and my grandmother just lost her home in a hurricane. So she was moving with families and all these things were like spiraling for my family. So I'm like, ah! 
I have to step in and help. So I called mom and I was like, why don't we try to start a company doing what I'm doing? So I was working in healthcare organizations, helping with their EHR, whether in the training side or the support, whatever it may be. And, and mom was like, okay, we didn't know what we were doing. We looked up Google and said, Google, how do you start a business? You know what I mean? Like legit. Well, I told my mom, why don't I work and take my paycheck and slice it up as much as I can. And we try to do this. And so I'll live off of as little as I can in order to invest it in you and the company and doing what we need to do to, to get this business up. And let's just give it six months and see, like, let's at least try. So I took my salary and I took an industry that I knew and I tried to start a company. In the first six months, I had six people working for me. I think we had done like a half million dollars. So I was like, oh, I think we're onto something, but I'm still working full time. So I am still working in the healthcare organizations and also trying to build this business. And you would say a half million dollars was proof of concept. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm just kind of like, I don't know. But my mom, who's very wise, she came to me after we had six people, you know, and she said, I think you need to make a decision. Either we really try to give this business a go and grow it, or you keep working. But working was security. That was my, you know what I mean? That was my security blanket. So I was like, well, but what I did right in all of this, and I think I was in the Wall Street Journal for this. It's a while ago, like four or five years was the fact that I took a paycheck and I divided it up into business and I invested in my own business while investing in myself working. And I was also investing in the industry that I knew. So to me, it was like, no wonder why I won. Like it was like winning, winning, winning. I didn't know I did all those things right back then, but I'm about to tell you a story and where I did things very, very wrong. So sure enough, I think that year we did like two and a half million, the very first year where I didn't work and actually paid attention to the business. So obviously I was happy I made that right decision and it was right timing in this industry. It was right when, you know, everybody was going gangbusters and that was as fast as I could work. I probably could have done a lot more, but it was as fast as we could work. So let's fast forward several years, Pam. And here, April over here is like, ooh, look at my successful business. Let's start another one. Let's start another one. This sounds so fun. And I'm thinking like, now I've surrounded myself with so many entrepreneurs and I have friends and I whatever. So I go to this like passion of mine and I'm like, let's, uh, I'll make clothes. I'm going to cut fabric. I'm going to find manufacturers. I'm going to go overseas and I'm going to put on my clothes. I am statement. I am brave. I am beautiful. I'm smart. And I go overseas and I do all this stuff. And I, I mean, I literally build a, a brand from scratch of clothing. I order I don't know, 60,000 pieces of clothes. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know inventory. I don't know supply chain. I don't know 3PLs. I don't know digital marketing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I was so passionate about it. It is, that company is called Illuminative and it's still open and it's an e-commerce business and we ship all over the country. But I will tell you, I have not once turned a profit in that business because it was an industry I didn't know. I was uneducated. I invested a ton of money into it, but the only thing I have continued to do is invest in a business and I can't turn a profit. Like I'm still trying, you know, and we, we have done over a million dollars again, like, yes, I can scale another million dollar business, but the reason why it still has cost more money and energy and time is because I didn't know the industry. 
I didn't have that distribution channel lined up. It's not my, like, that's not my industry, but somebody who's already in that space, they could probably just add on a new women's line. But I've been like, so it's been two years, it's been two years, but it has been such a painful learning curve that people who start businesses are like, oh, why is this so hard? The first thing I ask when I am coaching somebody, I'm like, how much do you know this space? And what do you know of this space? And if you don't, then find a mentor to hold your hand and mentor you through it. Because that is where I have, where it's cost me the most time, energy, and money. You know what I mean? It's not just money, but the time and the energy. Because it is, I feel like I say I got a PhD in, um, you know, retail and marketing and e-com and 3PL. I have my own fulfillment center now, for goodness sakes. People are like, you have your own fulfillment I'm like, Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, but it hasn't been easy. It has it's been so hard. So that first business was like, this is so easy. Cause I knew it. I knew that space. This business has been so hard because they didn't, you know, it doesn't make one right or the wrong, but when you start, it's actually asking yourself, like, can you take your paycheck and invest in yourself? Go into something that you're very comfortable in knowing. And then if not, definitely have those right mentors and coaches and before you pull the trigger and are spinning your wheels, you know, um, trying to do something that you know nothing about. I love that advice. I mean, oh man, oh man. Thank you for sharing that too, because there are struggles and then there are successes, right? And with that being said, you know, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? There's a lot of things. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things I tell myself. So I'm actually... I'm going to turn it into what I've been learning lately. You know, how sometimes everything, when you're learning something, it all comes for a circle, full circle to what you're learning right now. So I have been learning Enneagrams. And I don't know if you've ever done the Enneagram test. It's like a personality test. You know, there's Myers-Briggs, there's DISC, there's yeah. whatever. Enneagram is rocking my world. And let me tell you why. When I did this Enneagram, you're, it's numbers one through nine. And you have to go do it because it's fascinating. And there's free tests. So you just Google Enneagram test, take it. I turn out to be a seven. The seven is the adventurer, the visionary, the free spirit, the like, let's go for it. You know, very like, you know, likes risk, likes chances. And there's a song that's like, let's climb the mountain before we cross the bridge. And I'm like, yes, you know, like it's the the enthusiast and like everything about it. I'm like, yes, that is so me. And most entrepreneurs, Pam, I have learned are sevens. Like a lot of them. I'd be curious what you are, but if you're a seven, We also have like a hundred ideas all the time and which is squirrels. Like, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. And so like, I look at my journey of my younger self and I'm like, I was such a seven. Ah, You know what I mean? Like, but I also am a visionary. So I know how to get it done. So the seven has, when they're stressed, they go into a one. And when they are growing and at their like best and highest self, they're going to a five. So let's first talk about the one, the one are the perfectionists, the get it done, the check it off, hold control, do it yourself. When I'm stressed, I am like, get out of my way. I will do it and I'm gonna do it better and I'm gonna get it done and I'm gonna show you, you know, you're laughing because you get it, right? And I'll work 18 hour days and you know what? Never mind, never mind, I'll do it. Boom, boom, boom. And guess what? We always get it done with that visionary because we have the vision. So let me take control and let me get it up. But even if we get it done, is there processes? Did I create a repeatable process? Did I create a scalable business? Did it create? No, but guess what? I got it done. You know what I mean? So, but I didn't set myself up for growth. 
So a five is when I'm growing is when me as a seven is I'm growing and a five is the investigator and they want to learn. They want to understand. They want to look at facts and data and then make logical decisions according to their vision and then execute that plan, which is more in the one space. Well, it's interesting because anytime I've ever slowed down to think, to read, to listen, to analyze has actually been where so much fruit and like wisdom and wealth of knowledge can then, can then come up where I can then deliver it to that visionary seven side of me versus me going into my stress. And so like you saying, okay, what would I tell my younger self? I would tell them, go understand your five. No. <laughs> Go understand your five, but really what I'm really saying is if I was mature enough to understand that if I just slow down to analyze data, to get wisdom, to understand facts and knowledge, and then made those entrepreneurial decisions, I feel like the maturity of all my businesses and where I am today and now, you know, in, I'm 41, but now like in my 40s, I just feel like I've kind of come into this. It's like I've been planting, you know, roots and I'm finally coming into this oak tree that's like maturing and it feels like amazing. And so if I could look back and say, okay, little April, a little one, I would say, get just understand wisdom and don't push it away and slow down and don't just go to control and don't and honor everybody's role in this world and making sure that you root yourself in it and surround yourself with the right people to help you make decisions. Because as an entrepreneur, we're like, we'll just do it ourselves. But I feel like now that I'm rebuilding with not rebuilding, but what I'm building my businesses, like I just launched another business in the healthcare space and Institute. And we're actually offering telehealth training because now with COVID there is, and there's so much telehealth, but there's no education around it. So if you go Google education training for the patients or for the elderly or for the health organizations or the hospitals or for the providers, the specialties, I mean, you name it, there's nothing. So I want to be one of the first global institutes that we can then go to all the nations training specifically around telehealth, reducing carbon from the atmosphere to give back. Every time a patient drives to the health organization, they're putting themselves at harm from being sick and germs, but then also you can really do almost everything the same through technology these days and remote patient monitoring where we're going. And so it's like, if I can just add a little bit of value through education and training, that's what I want to do. But as I'm building this institute and looking at it from a global perspective, I'm like, April, you're so much wiser because you're slowing down and you're taking your time. Does that make sense? So that was a lot of advice, but that would be my advice is to understand that and then make your business decisions and your life decisions based on that. I wish somebody had told me. I love that so much. I love that so much. Slow down. Oh man, you're amazing. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. And you gave us a little bit of a sneak peek of what you're up to now, but you also mentioned the book too. So what's up in April's world in, Ooh. in so. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just recently, actually the biggest thing that I'm up to is I just recently launched this year, I am aprilread.com. So I'm formerly known as April Cleek, C-L-E-E-K or um, Burnell, B-E-R-N-E-L. And I'm going through this midlife or this naming crisis, because if you Google April Cleek, you're going to find a zillion things or Burnell. 
but I'm newly married and my new name is Reed, R-E-E-D. And I was like, you know what? I'm so honored to be married to this man. I want to own his name. So I launched I Am April Reed, which is actually a coaching program. And I'm not trying to solicit or put this out there to anybody listening because I'm like, oh, but go find your tribe. But the reason why I'm launching this, Pam, is because I want to upgrade people's life. It's called You've Been Upgraded. And it's to upgrade people's life with business IQ, financial IQ, personal IQ, and spiritual IQ. And I'm bringing in speakers from all over, including myself, to say, basically, what are those things that I would have told my younger self? Kind of, I didn't, I didn't think about that question until now, but it's like, what do I not know in a business IQ perspective? And how can I bring people into that place and help upgrade people? financially, like no one taught me how to invest in and in, with trading and with stocks, like they never, but until we find those coaches and knowing that we expand our portfolio and diversification on finances, like how to truly upgrade. And I'm, I really want to bring people from like coach, you know, sitting in coach to like owning their own plane, like screw, screw up to first class to then private chartering it's like no you're gonna own that plane like let's upgrade let's believe let's see that and that feeling and what this life should be like so that is a new fun project and that's where I give back project I'm not looking to like you know make that a career but that's my way of saying how can I pay it forward with the things that I've learned in the network that I have and give it to others and um, it's a membership fee it's less than 100 bucks it's not even anything a month you know it's like but I mean, that could be a lot. I'm not trying to diminish that, but it's just kind of how can I add value into what area of their life? So that's kind of fun for me. Newly married, that's what I'm up to. That's even more fun. And yeah, and then of course the Institute and my other business. And I really learned how to be the visionary and um, the owner and not be so much the operator and the implementer. So I really like being able to um, nurture my team and do that and, and help others invest and open doors for them and stuff. So yeah, just trying to enjoy life, work hard, play harder, you know, travel. <laughs> Amazing. Now, now the world's got to know where to find you, April. Go to I am April Reed. That's probably the easiest thing. Go to I am April Reed.com. I think I am I am April Reed on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, April Burnell Reed. You might find me or April. I am April Reed is probably the easiest way. I love it so much. You are such a rock star in every respect. I'm so honored to have you here today. Thank you so much, April. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.